Good evening, everyone. It's so great to see every single one of you in the house. Do me a favor, turn to your neighbor, tell them, I'm so happy you're here. Turn to your other neighbor, tell them, God is good. Everyone say good. Good. God is good. You know, this series, we started it last week, and man, it came in strong from the very first week. The message cut to the hearts of many of us, and I, I truly believe it's challenged us to really see God, see our lives, and see how we can honor God with our lives in the times that we are in. And that's why we're in this series, Discerning These Times. It's an important moment of history for believers and Christ followers to rise up, stand for our faith, and share the love of God everywhere that we go. And I, and I just last week, I had some great conversations in, in the small groups that I'm in, and what God is speaking to these amazing men regarding their working places, their households, their families. And I truly believe, we truly believe that God is going to change many of our hearts from a place of just living and existing to a place of thriving in the name of Jesus. Amen. And tonight we're going to be talking about a, a particular topic in the Bible and in our faith that I truly love. And we're going to see what God does this evening. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Ooh, just saying that gets me like ramped up and excited because we're going to create some space towards the tail end of tonight's message. For God's Spirit to fall into this place and for us to truly have an encounter with God. And it's not just in a service that we can have an encounter with God. We're supposed to encounter God and His Spirit, His love, His presence everywhere that we go all the time. But sometimes we need a framework from God's Word on what the Holy Spirit is and what His role is in our life. And I truly believe God's going to do that tonight. So I'm excited. Um, but before we get into the Word of God, I just want to share a story with all of us, kind of like one of my first experiences encountering the Holy Spirit in our church. If you're from the olden days of Pearlside, you know that we used to meet for our, all of our church services, but definitely the youth service Friday nights at Momilani Elementary up the hill on Waimano Home Road right next to Pearl City High School. And I first started coming to church or to Pearlside back when we were at our youth services on those Friday nights. And there was one thing that I will always remember about Friday night youth services, outside of it being fun, amazing, like God just moving in and through the next generation, I always remember how hot our services were are at this elementary. And here's the reason why. We had to close all of the windows because our services started at 7.30. And at Pearl City, a lot of people go to sleep at 8, right? So, like, there were so many people in the community, great people. But they had asked us as a church, you know, close the windows because it's kind of loud. And, of course, if you're going to put, like, 250 to 300 young people in a cafeteria, with no, like, actual air circulation, we would sweat. We would get stink. I know for a fact some of my classmates did not wear deodorant. It was gnarly the kinds of things that we would experience on these Friday nights. And then on top of that, there's, like, this trash can that was outside of, like, the elementary. So whatever, like, air that we did get through, like, the front doors of the cafeteria would actually bring in the breeze of the trash. So we wasn't sure who or what we were smelling. But I do know for a fact that we were encountering the presence of God. And there was this one particular Friday night. And, you know, I'd, I'd always sweat. I'd always feel really hot and, and sweaty. That was just the nature of our Friday night services. We used to have a pit. We would jump up and down. Like, it was just the best time of our lives. But there was this one particular day where I wasn't just, like, feeling hot on the outside. Like, I was starting to feel really hot on the inside. Like, I felt it here in my stomach, and it began to kind of like go all throughout my body. And I actually began to get kind of nervous because I was like, what the heck is happening to me right now? Because it wasn't the outside heat that I was feeling. And this was maybe in the first month or so of me attending this church. But it was like this heat from the inside. 
it wasn't like scary, but it was a scary moment. And I remember I went to Pastor Coach, who was one of our youth pastors at the time, and I was like, Coach, am I dying? <laughs> like, what is going on right now? Because I'm starting to feel all this heat on the inside of my body. And if you know Coach, he's always like cool, calm, and collected, always bouncing in faith. And he's like, that son is the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, so I'm good. And he's like, you're good. And then I like ran back to like the pit and I started worshiping again. But there was just something so powerful about that moment because I, I felt free for the first time. I felt alive for the first time. Like there was this rush in my body that was kind of manifesting in heat. But my pastor is saying, that is the Holy Spirit. And he is working in and through your life. I know for many of us, we come into a church setting like this and we love the AC, right? Especially during the summer months. This isn't Momilani Elementary. It's cool in here. But then we come into this place and we feel the heat. There's this warmth maybe inside our body or maybe we feel enveloped by warmth and we're like, man, like what is going on? What is that feeling? What is, what is happening? That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wrapping you in God's love. And we know the word, right? The word is God's truth. The Bible, Jesus, that's the compass to our life. But the reason why the Holy Spirit is important in our life is the Holy Spirit leads us on the right path of that compass because we live in a world in a day and age where everything, Satan himself will want to pull us away from the compass that is God's word. But the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, not just the truth of God's word, but the power of God and the Holy Spirit leads us into living for God, not just in seasons of our life, but for the rest of our life. And tonight, I mean, and really, there's like series upon series upon messages upon messages where we can talk about what the Holy Spirit is, what he does, and the importance of having the Holy Spirit in our life. But particularly tonight, we're going to be looking at two passages in the book of Acts that I think gives us a good foundation and a good outlook of why every single one of us should want, crave, and pursue having a thriving relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I think God is going to reveal the why tonight. Amen. God's going to bring the heat. So get ready to get a little hot. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a good God. And your holy fire burns away all of the things in our life that aren't of you. You release us of things so that we can live in freedom. And that comes by your word and it comes by your Holy Spirit. So Lord, I pray that as we talk about the Holy Spirit tonight, that we would all encounter the manifest presence of your spirit this evening. And man, I know that we live in a time where we want the knowledge of God and that's so important. But Lord, we need the power of God as well. So Lord, may we invite your power into this place and may every single one of us leave here knowing the importance of having the Holy Spirit in our life. In Jesus' name, we all said Amen and amen. So again, tonight we're going to be looking at two passages out of the book of Acts. And uh, we're going to see how the word of God, the Holy Spirit, brings fire. Everyone say fire. fire. Brings fire to God's people. So here's your three points this evening. Number one, the Holy Spirit focuses us on God's heart for the world. The Holy Spirit, or point number two, the Holy Spirit fills us with boldness and courage. And lastly, point number three, the Holy Spirit purifies our heart. Everyone say heart and prepares us for God's mission. Everyone say mission. Our first passage that we're going to be looking at tonight is out of the book of Acts, verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 4 to 9. Let me set it up for us before we get into it. The disciples in the Gospels, right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they encounter and they experience the fact that Jesus overcame the grave. They saw him ascend into heaven, and now 
They're called to live life as believers, knowing for a fact that Jesus overcame the grave, that he is the son of God. But here's the reality of that time as well. Their faith meant that they were going to be persecuted. Their faith meant that the Roman leaders, the Jewish leaders, were going to come against these believers of the time, the Christians of this time, and they were going to persecute them. They were going to put them into prison. They were going to sentence them to death. This was the reality of what the disciples were going through. Believing in Jesus in that day and age meant that their lives could be on the line. And they were scared. They were worried. They were anxious because of their reality of being believers. They knew they couldn't deny the fact that he was the son of God anymore. They witnessed it. They saw his power. But again, they crept back in fear. Okay, Jesus is gone. What's going to happen to us? Jesus has ascended, but we're still here. What is going to be the outcome? And then we see in the book of Acts this beautiful moment where Jesus decides to come back. And he comes back to earth, and he has a moment with his, his disciples. For 40 days, he's with his disciples. 40 is just such a beautiful number in the Bible. A lot of great moments and, and historic times happen with the number 40. And Jesus is with his disciples for 40 days, and he's talking to them. He's teaching them about who God is, who he is, and teaching them about the kingdom of God what God's plans were, what he was going to do to restore the kingdom, God's kingdom here on earth, this fallen world. And disciples like, man, Jesus is back. That's legit. And now he's talking to us about what is going to happen to this world, the plans and the purposes for this world, right? So they're getting amped up. They're getting excited. Jesus is here with them. <laughs> and then he leaves. See, the crazy thing about the disciples where they thought, they thought that the fact that Jesus came back meant that he was going to restore the order right now. That the persecution that they were facing for just a period of time was going to be finished and end. But that wasn't God's plan. This wasn't going to be a moment where he was going to change everything back to normal. This was actually going to be a moment where he called the disciples to action. Everyone say action. Acts 1, 4-9 goes like this. And while staying with them, speaking of the disciples, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You will share the gospel. You will make disciples in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said this, these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. So here's the disciples thinking that God was going to restore order, that they were going to be protected, that they wouldn't have to worry about persecution because our Lord, our Savior, our King is back. And they begin to ask all of these questions, and then Jesus is like, hey, I'm going. But I'm going to give you a gift. And this gift isn't just the baptism of water. It is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And by this Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses 
in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And that was pretty significant for them because they didn't have airplanes. They didn't have boats and trains. They rode on donkeys, and God's like, you're going to change the world to the ends of the earth. And I'm leaving you. And he left. And I think for many of us, we can be like that with Jesus. That when we come into a relationship with him and we have that first knowledge about who he is in our life, we immediately want him to restore our lives back to order. We want everything to be perfect. We want all of the blessings. We want all of the breakthroughs. We want all of the miracles. We don't want to experience persecution anymore because God came into my heart that one Sunday for one week, so my life should be different just like that. The reality of the world then is the same reality of the world now. We need Jesus every single day because the world is fallen and broken. And we're not going to make it by just skating on the knowledge of God that one time I floated into service and I left early because I wanted to go to Zippy's after and get my Korean style fried chicken. That's not how it works. This fallen and broken world is worth living in. The calling of us to be witnesses on this world in this day and age is worth stepping into and living out every single day. But we can't do it on our accord. Not just the knowledge of Jesus. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is what Jesus is telling the disciples, like, you guys will be all right. You were baptized in water, but guess what? You are going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit fire. And you're going to be able to look at persecution. You're going to be able to look at hardship. You're going to be able to look at trials face to face. You will be able to look death in the eye and say, for the kingdom, for the glory of my God. What would our world look like today if we lived with that inside fire? that Jesus is asking of these disciples because they did and we'll look at how they did that. But what if we lived that way in our households? What if we didn't stand for divorce anymore? What if we didn't stand for infidelity anymore? What if we didn't stand anymore for pain and persecution that people that we love are going through? What if we stood for something that was righteous, integrous, and pure? What if we were that kind of church? And it's not to condemn anyone that may be experiencing, have done, or are going through that right now, but what if we were that kind of church? Would we see corruption in every gate of society, or would we see God's plans and purposes unravel? Not because he came to fix order, but because the people of God rose up. That is what this word is saying. May we come alive tonight in the spirit and the presence of God. Amen. Number two, the Holy Spirit fills us with boldness and courage. Boldness and courage sounds good, but it's not how the disciples lived. Not in the beginning. So again, you would expect, right? Okay, Jesus said, we're going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Things are going to get good. Get ready for the holy fire. It's time to be a disciple. Let's do this. Like, right, let's go. We're going to actually see what happened with the disciples. They weren't out there doing what they were supposed to do. They were hiding in an upper room. Think about it. It's like if all of us, like, we were like, okay, you need to go share your faith with people around you. Even if you might get persecuted at work or maybe your family member might say something wrong to you, like, you are called to do this. And then instead of going to these very places and these very people, we run up the attic and we hide. In Hawaii, we don't even have attics, so I don't know what we would go to. We may go up the coconut tree, right? Like, we're just like, you just get us away from everyone else. Protect me. Let me be here. Right? We want to run from the calling of God to be witnesses here on earth because, yes, it's uncomfortable. 
but it's absolutely essential and necessary for God's plans to be done through the hands and feet of the church. And not just Pearlside Church, the capital C church all around the world. This is what we're called to do. Love God, love people, share the gospel, make disciples. That's what changes the world one life at a time. We're here because our lives have been changed and transformed. Now we got to bring that same change and transformation to someone else. Amen. I get it though. It's easier said than done. And remember, the disciples yet, they weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. So it's understandable that they would be afraid of that calling. Be understandable that they would hide in an addict, attic. But it's also understandable that God wouldn't leave them there. And he would rock their world with Holy Spirit fire, just as Jesus promised. Acts 2, 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, all the disciples, all the believers, they were all together in one place, the upper room. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. We won't talk too much tonight about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit through the evidence of speaking in tongues. If you go to Pearlside Church, you know that we do that. You can have more conversations in small group, but that's also essential. But that's not necessarily tonight's message. The main takeaway is there's this moment where the Holy Spirit fire came crashing in with wind and things began to shake. They were comfortable in their hiding and God's like, that's not my calling for my people, so I am ready. It is time to baptize you in the Holy Spirit fire. And they began to feel the shaking and the rumblings. And the shaking and the rumblings from the exterior now became the shaking and rumblings on the interior. And all of a sudden they began to speak in tongues. And the Holy Spirit fire fell on these men and women. That's kind of scary, if you ask me. If I was in like an addict and I'm like starting to shake like this, I'd be like, oh my gosh, like earthquake. You know, like where do I go? Where do I hide? But this baptism of the Holy Spirit is what would allow these disciples to stand. That they wouldn't be crushed by Satan's schemes. They wouldn't be crushed by persecution of their enemies. How many of us feel, and you don't need to necessarily raise your hands, but how many of us feel sometimes that we're, we're crushed, we're feeling crushed, our faith is dwindling, life, circumstances, situations is crushing us, and we're beginning to feel like, man, do I really have faith? Can I really do this? Can I really be a believer? Can I make it past next week? Am I going to be a Christian in five years, ten years, because, man, five hours is getting kind of tough. Like, we've all been there. What the Holy Spirit does is it gives us fortitude on the inside, our souls, so that we can withhold the pressures of the outside world that would tell us to stop and give up on God. God has never stopped or given up on us. The Holy Spirit allows us to be the same, to not stop and give up on God. I have a quick um, illustration that I want to share with us. Lexan's going to come up. So um, she can stay up here with us. All right, so Lexan has a empty, what is that? Bottle of water. Sorry, I had a brain fart. He has an empty bottle of water. He can come up a little bit more. And he also has a hydro flask, right? Now, they both do the same thing. They both contain water. And for the most part, when we're thirsty, we can drink from a plastic bottle, water, hydrate, or we can drink from a hydro flask. 
Similarly to our faith, we can actually be a Christian or an, we can be a Christian with or without the Holy Spirit, right? We can choose to get up every single day without the Holy Spirit residing in us. And the reality is, although being a Christian with or without the Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily mean you're not a Christian anymore, it does mean that one or the other doesn't have the power. Everyone say power. This is what our faith looks like. This is what we look like when the Holy Spirit isn't in us. If we don't receive that Holy Spirit fire, like we can do the things that Christians are supposed to do. But eventually, if there's nothing on the interior that can help prop us up on the exterior, bless you. <laughs> we crumble. This is the outcome of our lives without the Holy Spirit resting in us. Eventually, our souls look and we feel like this. What can this do in the world? Can't even hold the water it's supposed to hold, right? However, hydroflask, this is what our life looks like when the Holy Spirit is in us. We do the things that Christians do, we hold water, right? Just like how a hydroflask would similarly lead to a bottle. But I just bent it. I'm sorry. It's my hydroflask. I'm going to get a new one now. It's durable. It's strong. The integrity of this is much stronger than the pressures of the world the outside pressures of Satan. In fact, this don't hurt. That hurt? It didn't, right? It didn't. The hydro flask. Just pretend that this is Lexin. This is a weapon, amen? Hydroflasks are hard. If it's ever fallen on your face, fallen on your foot, it hurts. Similarly in our walk with God, if we want to be able to withstand the pressures of Satan and the world, but also be used as a weapon for the kingdom of God so his glory can reign everywhere that we go, we have to have the Holy Spirit in us so that we're not crushed, but we stand strong. And this is exactly what the disciples were beginning to experience. For some of us, the Holy Spirit is the answer of our faith going from this to this. Not just on a weekend, but for the rest of our life. And I believe tonight we will be reminded, we will step into every single one of us, this kind of faith. Amen? Can we give Lex a hand? Thank you. Um, yes, you can take those. Thanks, Lex. I was tempted to hit him with that. Lexin's very, very strong. I know it's, in some ways it can be a very humorous thing, right? Hydro flask, water bottle, click, 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 hit, hit, hit. But these are serious times. And I just pray, I pray that that illustration would just go beyond an illustration on a weekend. But it would truly transform and change our hearts and our perspectives on what our lives could be like 
and should be like when the Holy Spirit is in us. Like this was Jesus' heart for his disciples. And it's not necessarily about how loud we are, right? It's not necessarily about how like quick we are. Like sometimes we think in order to be faithful, we have to just do a whole lot. But at the end of the day, faithfulness is simply just obedience. So when we go to our homes and we go to our campuses and we go to our working places, when we're with people that we love or people that we're reaching or maybe people that are difficult, can we all take a little bit of time to just sit where we are and just ask, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, fill me with your holy fire so that I can be the example of who you've called me to be everywhere that I go. And what if we stepped into life that way? with the strength on the inside, not just on the outside, but on the inside. I know for a fact God wants to use every single one of us to change one life at a time. The Holy Spirit becomes part of that. And here's a crazy thing about the disciples. When they received the power of the Holy Spirit, they were actually able to do every single thing that Jesus did. Heal the sick, heal the blind, raise the dead, stand for their faith, and even die for their faith the same way that Jesus did. They were able to do that because the Holy Spirit was in them. And they just knew that they knew that they knew that their call here on earth led them, would lead them to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, even to the ends of their life. And they did it willingly. They did it willingly because God's Spirit was in them. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, you can do this. Turn to your other neighbor, tell them, by the Holy Spirit. And if you're tempted to hit someone with a water bottle or a hydro flask, just don't do it. Not here in church, amen? Final point in your notes. The Holy Spirit purifies our hearts or our heart and prepares us for God's mission. Everyone say heart. Everyone say mission. We're going to read one final passage out of the book of Acts, and I think it's going to be so relatable to every single one of us. And this is going to be a passage from the book of Acts, an excerpt of this monologue, this powerful, significant moment that the disciple or the apostle Peter had in response to getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, in response to what he had witnessed of tongues of fire and the Holy Spirit fire falling on him and the other believers, his brothers, his sisters in Christ, there was a response that Peter had, a charge, a call to action. And here's the thing, that like noise that was happening inside the upper room began to be heard in different places. People began to witness like these believers speaking in tongues and just getting all nuts and crazy because they love Jesus. And everybody there began to think, like, man, like, they must be drunk. Like, it's in the Bible, right? If you read through the book of Acts, everyone thought that these disciples, these believers were drunk on something because no way could they be joyful. No way could they be this excited. No way they could be this crazy. Like, what is going on with them? Why do they look that way? Why are they acting like that? We're going to persecute them. We're going to take them out. But there's something joyful and fiery and passionate about them. What is different about them now compared to then? And these people are mocking the believers. And they're like, oh, they're just drunk on wine. They're just, they're just on some alcohol. They're just getting crazy because of that. And Peter gives them the truth. He stands up. And he says, no, 
Let me tell you about what's happening right now. Acts 2, 36 to 41. Let all the house of Israel know. This is the apostle Peter speaking. Therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Peter took the stand. He was bold and courageous. Remember, number three in your notes. The Holy Spirit purifies our heart and prepares us for God's mission. We're going to close tonight talking a little bit about Peter before we go into a response. Here's this beautiful redemption story about Peter. Get to know about this apostle because he speaks, walks, and talks like many of us. Before he was renamed Peter, his original name was Simon. Okay? Peter's original name was Simon. And then Jesus calls Peter or excuse me, calls Simon to be a disciple, to follow him. Peter begins, Simon begins to be a disciple, and he's following Jesus everywhere that he goes. He's learning about this Jesus. Here's the thing about Simon, though. He was emotionally unstable. He was impulsive. He was hot-headed, judgmental, critical, and mean-spirited, to all the other disciples because he thought he was the best. He was all over the place. And this one day, or this one moment that we see in Matthew, Jesus calls Simon and he renames Simon Peter. Everyone say Peter. He renames Simon Peter. And here's the crazy thing. This new name, Peter, in the Greek means the rock. It means the rock. So here's like this super unstable person, emotionally impulsive, mean-spirited, condemning and critical. Yet Jesus is renaming this person the rock. How strange. Here's what we see Jesus say in terms of the why. Matthew 16, 18. This is his call to Peter. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. God was going to build the church on Peter's shoulders. Remember I said this is a redemption story. So when Jesus is being persecuted... When he is about to be crucified and lay the ultimate sacrifice, he tells Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me three times. And Peter, being all hot-headed and impulsive, no, Jesus, I won't do that. 
I would never deny the Son of God. And just as Jesus said, he denied, or Peter denied him three times because of persecution. Because he's getting crushed with the thought of what he would face because he was called to follow this Jesus. And he denied Jesus three times. And then Jesus died. And then he conquered sin and death. Now this might just be me reading into scripture. And I think reading into scripture is awesome. So let's read our word more. And let God's spirit speak to us. But man, if I was Peter, I would be so mad at myself. I would feel so hypocritical, so fake, so unlovable, so unwanted, so unnecessary, unneeded. To know that I followed this Jesus for the three years of his ministry. He called me, renamed me the rock. And in the moment that I could stand for my faith, just like a hydro flask would. I crumbled in the pressure and I denied Jesus. I would be super depressed if I was Peter. Super emotional. I'd perhaps want to give up. But he was in that room. He was right there. And the Holy Spirit fell on him. And it purified his heart. And it reminded Peter what he was called to do. Be the rock for God's church to be built on. Not because you were perfect, but because you were called. Because this was my purpose for your life. And when the Holy Spirit fell upon Peter, he rose up when people were mocking the believers. And he stood his ground. Solid as a rock. And then throughout the Gospels, or excuse me, throughout the rest of the early church in Acts, what does Peter do? Stands for his faith, preaches the Gospel, makes disciples, advances God's kingdom, heals the blind, heals the sick, does his thing. And the church grew because men like him had the Holy Spirit with him, with them, everywhere that they went. Judea, Sumeria, to the ends of the earth and the outcome of that because they didn't reach the ends of the earth but you know who does the present day disciples like every single one of us it just goes on and on and on that is what the upper room moments do that is what the holy spirit does and again i'm just pleading to all of us we're going to create some space right now for us to have an upper room moment of faith and power but we can't limit it to this weekend at this service in this building the upper room moments where God's spirit falls upon us has to be every single day of our life. And we must make those moments happen so that we can truly be the witnesses that Jesus expected, called and implored his disciples to be. Amen. One last scripture as our worship team comes up. And we're going to go into this time of worship and prayer. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on the earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all, the, all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus had his, this moment with his disciples before he ascended into heaven. And they lost the hope of that. They lost the confidence and the boldness of that out of fear and anxiety. But when the Holy Spirit came, it reminded them of that. And then they rose up 
and they did exactly what he said before he paid the ultimate price for them and all of us. I pray that we would have that same heart tonight, amen. I pray that we would receive the Holy Spirit fire tonight and that when we go into this time of worship that we would feel the manifest presence of God's warmth, his goodness, his fire, and it would just invade us tonight in the best of ways. And that when we go into this time of worship, it would be a time where we begin to declare, God, send me, I will go. Not the crumbled bottle, water bottle, but the strong integrity of a hydro flask. A disciple from the inside out with the Holy Spirit filling us so that Satan or whatever may come our way won't crush us, but it will actually be crushed by us. Amen. Our worship team is going to come up. We're going to go into this time of prayer, but for us, let's pray. God, we invite your spirit and presence here this evening. In fact, let's all stand. Let's all stand this, uh, this evening. And where you are right now, can you just lift up your hands? Our church believes in the power of prayer. Our church believes that God's spirit can reign. And Lord, we know, we know that we know that we know that we are living in a time right now where your people must be desperate for your spirit. That we can't live hollow and empty lives as believers anymore because we will be crushed. But God, that is not your call for us. You've called us to be strong. You've called us to be bold. You've called us to be courageous, God, here in Judea and to the ends of the earth. So Lord, I pray that you would fill every single one of us, no matter if we're the newest believer or if we've been Christians our whole life. God, I pray that your fresh fire would fill this place and we would feel and we would exemplify and we would experience an encounter and we would worship and glorify this God that has called us to leave the upper room and go to the world that desperately needs you, God. I pray that there are redemption stories tonight, just like Peter, where you are saying, come out of your past and step into your future and we will live and we will live and we will live, God, and we will see you one day in heaven. But until then, we worship you now here on earth. Help us to lead us, lead us, Holy Spirit, into this time of worship and may you rest upon your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen and amen.